one, and we are live for a new episode of the Electric Podcast. I am Fred Lambert, your host, and as usual, I'm joined by Seth Wintraub. How are you doing this week, Seth? I'm good. All right. I hope you're ready to jump in because we have a lot of news to discuss this week. Uh, we're going to start with uh, this kind of little phenomenon the last few weeks that has been uh, starting some conspiracy theories and whatnot. Like, there's been so many recalls um, with Tesla. And I say we calls, I mean, I say it with like quotes maybe because uh, a lot of people have been uh, not happy with the use of that word because all of this, literally it's been four recalls in I think three weeks and they all have been fixed with um, with over-the-air software updates. So, Yeah, they almost need a new term for that, like a, a over-the-air recall or something. Yeah, because I mean, it's... it's the idea when it becomes a recall is because NHTSA consider it a safety risk. So it has to be an official recall notice that goes to the entire process to notify all the owners and whatnot. Uh, instead of just like this, like sneaking and a little, uh, a little over the year update with, without even mentioning sometimes in the release notes. Um, the first one we're going to discuss, well, I mean, we discussed a few in the last few weeks, but there was two new this week that people are like, Oh, is NHTSA starting to like, Put some pressure on Tesla. There was the whole thing about the, the you know, the advisor that Nitsa hired that uh, had uh, negative comments about Tesla prior to being hired. So people were like, "Yeah, what's happening? Is Nitsa turning against Tesla? Whatever." Uh, I'm not. I wouldn't go as far as saying that because if you actually look at the timelines and that's what's great about getting a Nitsa recall is like you, they, they release a lot of details about it and they give you the entire timeline of what happened. And for most of them, there was a long timeline of discussion that came into it that uh, explained the rationale be- behind the recall. So it's not it, it's not everything happening in the last two weeks either. And the first one is actually one that's been uh, around for a while is the EPOM problems. Uh, we talked about Tesla pushing the software update last week, but now it's been put in part of an actual uh, recall. So this is, again, that's that's not conspiracy this is a very real issue that a lot of owners have been experiencing and we discussed before but uh, what was interesting is that so the reason why there wasn't an actual safety recall on this is uh because of makes sense too it's the windshield defrost uh the fact that if the heat pump would fail uh, you would have issue defrosting your windshield and, and that's for anyone that have ever had that issue happen it, before it is a real problem i had <laughs> on my old Tiburon. Hyundai Tiburon, I had that happen before in the dead of winter where your your eating system just fails and uh, you just cannot defrost your windshield and, and you're you're stuck. Like this is this is a real problem. You cannot drive if your windshield is not defrosting. Um so that's why there was a recall. But that what, what it gave us though, because we already were aware of the issue, is that uh NHTSA went into more details of what's happening with this this problem. So here is the, the actual explanation. In vehicle built with heat pump, the electronic expansion valve may experience controller communication interruption, after which the valve driver may attempt to realign the valve rotor by rotating it in a small increment towards the open direction. When heat pump vehicles deliver, so so this is actually an interesting part here. It tells us what was the actual problem with it, uh, which car are affected by that problem, I mean. It's the with the vehicles delivered with the delivered with the firmware release 2021.44 through 2021.44.3.6 uh, experienced such interruption. The vehicle software did not close the valve and the accumulation of interruption and subsequent realignment over extended period where the vehicle is awake may result in an unintended valve opening event. This in turn may trap refrigerant inside the evaporator and may deplete the refrigerant from the active component in the system. The depletion may result in a fail-safe compressor stoppage and co- cause loss of cabin heating, particularly in temperature of minus C and colder. Um, while the windshield defrost system continues to operate with the condition present, defrost performance may not fully comply uh, with uh, whatever regulation they have. So so this is a, a, very, a much better explanation of what's happening. Now, the other concern people have is like some people are like, I, I have this issue with the heat pump failing and I wasn't on that firmware update or, or vehicle delivered with that firmware update. Or some people are now complaining that they don't even have the heat pump and they have some problem with the, the uh, heat failing in the stream cold. So this is still an ongoing issue that we're going to follow. But at least Tesla has identified part of the problem and fixed it. Uh, there was also a recall in Canada from Transport Canada for the for the same issue uh, this week. Uh, they said that it affected about thirty thousand vehicles, I think, Model Three and Model Y. 
2021-2022 Model 3s, which is the one with the e-pump, and also the new Model SNX, which also has the e-pump system. All right, the other one that's a little bit more questionable one, recall this week that affected, like you saw all the headlines. Like you have to admit, like this is where the, the media goes a little bit nuts with that. Like recall on 500,000 Tesla vehicle this week. Boo, this is so bad. But this is but, the... But did the other other stories have the uh, closed caption of the car uh, and the lead is- image? Oh yeah, know. I'm also a clickbaiter because I use a feature in <laughs> merge where the car farts. I mean, I have to. It's a, um, this is uh, the boombox feature. Uh, Nitsa doesn't like it, uh, or at least doesn't like it when the car is driving and uh, asks Tesla to recall it. So there was, and, and this is where things get a little bit more like technicalities where it doesn't make that much sense because if, for those who are not aware of the boombox feature is that Tesla utilized the external speaker on its cars for the for the pedestrian warning sound, which is a, a regulation that electric vehicles or quiet vehicles need to have a pedestrian warning sound up to a certain speed. And uh, Tesla implemented that and it was a little bit controversial. People were like, yeah, I mean, even gasoline cars also are quiet at low speed. So... Why are you making electric cars louder? Blah, blah, blah. Which I understand where they're coming from, but at the same time, I've been to too many Tesla or electric vehicle events where I've almost been run over in the parking lot because I couldn't hear the car coming in my back. So I do understand where they're coming from, especially if you're someone that's uh, uh, blind or... uh, What's the other term? You're not completely blind, but... uh, I don't know. Yeah, there's a, there's a term for the people like they don't see very well. <laughs> just like, um, so they implemented that feature, but Tesla was like, "All right, we'll, we'll we'll take advantage of being forced to implement that feature and and release a fun little uh, other feature on top of it, which they call Boombox, which allows you to play certain sounds directly through those speaker, uh, like making your car talk or playing a song or whatever sounds you want to make. You just upload it on your USB uh, drive and plug into the car, and it can work." Now, so this is one of the other things that I thought, like, oh, they just like, why are they recalling that now? That was in the car for over a year now, because that was released in the 2020 holiday update. Uh, but the, the timeline here is the interesting part. They've been uh, discussing it for, for, for a while now, because it, it came out in December 2020. Uh, NHTSA right away uh, asked for, a re- well, right away, a, a month later, in January 21, they asked a, a request of information. And then in February of that year, Tesla responded. And over the next several months, there was a bunch of back and forth between the two. Tesla demonstrated the feature to them, showing, look, this is actually not, like, this is increasing, the making the cars even more obvious because the pedestrian sound is working. And then on top of it, we they put whatever else that also makes sounds. Um, which the which they actually, it's actually agreed. They said, while Boombox can enhance the cons of the vehicle to pedestrians. The problem is actually sounds like a technicality. A vehicle that uses boombox when in motion may cause the pedestrian warning sound to be non-compliant with FMVVS, the, the regulation. So, which you said can increase the risk of collusion. So it's more, it sounds just like it's, it, if you read the rules and the regulation, it's not compliant because in actually achieving the goal of letting people know that the car is around, it's actually not bad. Uh, so anyway, the end result is Tesla is recording the feature uh, for when the car is in drive. So you can still use the Boomba feature if you're in park, uh, but not if you're in drive or in reverse or whatever. If you're That's going to be a big blow to rappers everywhere who, <laughs> you know, they're trying to get their music out. And <laughs> yeah, it's always a good, a good way for that, yeah. Uh, no, I always always weighs me out like uh, like people would do that like you play your own music in your own car or like right. when you see people like on on your their bike with a, a speaker a Bluetooth speaker attached to them it's like yeah hey, have you ever heard of like uh, headphones or like <laughs> yeah uh, but yeah that was the other recall this week but again a recall this is an over the air software update it's not that big of a deal but it is technically called a safety recall um. Oh yeah, that was a very interesting one. Like, so the, for that, the earnings this week, and uh, they, they they released uh, the Q4 earnings. They had a pretty good quarter, and they, but of course, uh, no one cares about uh, gasoline atomic having pretty good quarter these days. They want to focus on what's happening with their electric vehicle program because the race to deliver electric vehicles in high volume is is the priority right now. 
Uh, and I thought I thought that uh, Jim Farley, the CEO, had a very interesting comments that just highlighted how far Tesla had come over the years. Because I mean, I, I'm sure you remember said just a few years ago, like you couldn't find anyone outside of like the core Tesla community or people that were following electric vehicles very closely that believed that Tesla would become a major automaker. Um, especially if you ask the competitors that in, in the auto industry, most of them would tell you that, yeah, I mean, they're, uh, we, we've tested out that we, in case of case of Ford, it literally like broke them down and uh, um, to, to, to understand it better and everything. So it's like, they make great cars, but I mean, they don't, they're not manufactured in a high volume manufacturer or anything like that. So uh, we're not really worried about them and whatnot. But now Jim Farley said during the call when talking about achieving volume production of electric vehicle and Ford becoming a mass volume producer of EVs, uh, he said, this is an addition of our battery. Because he talked about sourcing batteries for, you need batteries to achieve high volume. We are well on our way to achieve at least a 40% mix of BEVs by 2030 with strong margins and equal to a higher market in the key high-profit, high-volume segment we compete. For example, the F-150 Lightning, if we had full production today to meet our current demand, we would rival the Model Y at Tesla as the leading BEV nameplate in the U.S. market. So he's basically saying if we had, if we were capable of producing our main electric vehicle in high-volume enough, Demand is not the issue. We would be able to sell as many cars as Tesla is selling right now, which shows a clear shift. Okay, now it's not about because it used to be about eh, people don't really want electric cars. You know, demand for it, and and Ford would would was amongst the many automakers that would willingly say that and use it as an excuse not to have a high volume vehicle program right now. And now it's the complete other way. It's we have plenty of demand. We just cannot produce them enough right now. A complete shift. And Tesla, he compares himself to Tesla. Tesla is the one who's actually producing more electric vehicles than anyone right now. Uh, and and the the almost, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, marrying, I'm, I'm not uh, trashing Farley here. Like uh, I know what he's trying to say, obviously, but I'm saying like so, so he's basically saying like boasting about the fact that they have just as much demand as Tesla. It's just they cannot deliver on it, which is I thought I thought it's a very interesting comment. And and Farley can say that. So Farley's relatively new at Ford. Um, mm-hmm. you know, he's pre- his predecessors should have been getting Ford ready for this transition, and they weren't. You know, Farley came on uh I don't know, a couple years ago mm-hmm. and has pretty much moved to EVs. I mean, even the the Mustang Mach E started under Hackett and then you know, Fields was before Hackett. Fields was kind of a you know lost on the whole thing. Although at Hertz, he did end up getting that that uh, Tesla, Tesla program. But uh, you know, like you, Mary Barra can't say that because that that would be saying, no. "Hey, hey, we screwed up for like a decade when we should have been ramping up our electric vehicle production." She can't say that. So, but Mary uh, Barra is responsible for electrifying the entire auto industry. Yes. Yes. Joe Biden told me that set, so how, I'm not. I'm not understanding your point. You did it, Mary. You, you, did, <laughs> you it. did it. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. But though you you have Farley here still saying that uh, the goal is to achieve a mix of 40 percent BEV by 2030, which I think is a terrible goal to have. Yeah, like, it's it's it it's impossible that they really believe that because the rate at which they need to change to electric means that. There should not be ICE cars on sale. You have an interesting theory on that set. That uh, I don't know if it's true, but it's an interesting theory. Uh, well, I mean, they do need to sell cars. Like for the next five years or four years, mm-hmm. they need to sell some ICE cars because they have to build them. Mm-hmm. And nobody wants to buy a car that's going to be, you know, if they said, "Hey, we're going to be done selling ICE cars and you know by 2030, we're going to zero cars by 2030." Nobody's going to buy an ICE car when it's the last one out mm-hmm. there and so that might be they the case. rely on people still believing that at the very least right to sell cars right now even if it's not true and, yeah, and hyundai I, it, said the same thing too or yeah Kia. well they, they yeah they're all saying the same thing basically right. they, there's not a lot of uh, major major uh, automaker like ford or hyundai or anything like that that have a goal more aggressive than 50 percent maybe by the end of the decade but I think that by the end of the decade, it's going to be 100%, maybe not 100%, but like 99% of some people are still going to want to buy some of those ICE cars, but it's not, it's not going to be for reason 
that makes sense economically. Right. It's going to be purely for love of the smell of petrol or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, so good luck on four. If that's really the goal, if it's not, if your your theory is not right, Seth, if that's really the goal, uh, good luck selling that other 60% of vehicles in 2030. I mean, what they're basically saying is right now, if they could, they mm-hmm. probably, if, if they could make uh, 40% of their cars electric today, they would probably sell out of those cars. Yeah. So they're saying there's basically nothing coming. Like there's no improvement mm-hmm. coming over the next six years or whatever, yeah. eight years. Yeah. But uh, they, are, they are making some moves to make it happen. And uh, that was a good one this week. They, uh, they, they poached away from Tesla, a very important uh, engineering executive at Tesla, uh, Mr. Alan Clark, uh, who most recently was uh, the engineering director in charge of the new uh, vehicle programs. And uh, he's been a, a ten year, over ten year, over a decade uh, veteran at Tesla. Uh, he started as a senior uh, design engineer, and he, he was behind a lot of uh, uh, a lot of uh, the, the important program at Tesla, including the Model X uh, front and rear drive units, uh, the uh, mechanical design of the Model S battery pack, uh, rear and front suspension of the Model S. It was behind the famous door handles of the original concept of the Model S. And more recently, as the head of the new vehicle programs, he was a chief engineer of the new Roadster prototype. He was in charge of the vehicle architecture of the Model 3 and the Model Y and a Cybertruck prototype too. So, you know, very important engineer at Tesla. And uh, Ford hired him away as a new lead of uh, advanced EV programs. So good for Ford. Uh, he's going to be joining Doc Field, uh, who's uh, where you worked with him as uh, when Doc Field was in charge of engineering at Tesla. Well, not he wasn't CTO, but he was like second highest ranking engineer at Tesla after JB Straubel. Uh, of course, Doc Field was hired from Tesla from Apple, who hired him from Ford, and then after Tesla, he went back to Apple. And then he went back to Ford. <laughs> Doc Field does he goes around a little bit, yeah. but uh, I'm sure he had probably a hand into. Uh, poaching uh, Alan Clark there. Uh, look, I'm not, I'm not too worried for Tesla about that. Like, it, it definitely a loss for them. Uh, sounds like a very... Uh, um, what, what's the word? Like, you did a lot of work at Tesla. Like, a very... I forget the word for it. I'm having a blank. But... You, um, influential? Yeah, influential or, like, you, you, prodigious or what is that? Uh there's a word for it that I'm blanking on. Anyway, he did a lot of good work at Tesla, obviously. And so it, it's sad to see him go. But Tesla, like they they, they don't have any issue hiring good engineer. Like they, like it, if you look at the list of like where people want to work, uh, though, of course, we're going to have a little story later on that. Uh, but it's at the different level, uh, unfortunately. But engineering wants to work at Tesla and they go to work at Tesla. So it's not, it's not that big of a problem. So I think, I think Clark might actually be more useful for the acceleration of EV adoption at Ford than he is at this point at Tesla. Might be wrong about that, but that's kind of my intuition. Should we talk about that right away while we're at it? Uh, really? Sure. Well, uh, well uh, this is the not fun story to talk about. Not fun story to write about. I had to go through the entire lawsuit this morning and, uh, was kind of sickening to be honest. So Tesla, and also I don't like how Tesla handled the whole thing. That was that, that wasn't good of, of them, I think. I don't know how they thought they would get away with that, but uh, anyway. So Tesla earlier this week, they posted well, they, they posted their 10K, uh, which is their annual filing with the SEC, in which they warned that uh, the thing that uh, a lawsuit is coming from the California Department of Fair Employment and Housing, uh, for short, DFE. H, and uh, they said that they were going to sue them over allegations of racism at the uh, at the company, but specifically at the Fremont factory. Then the next day, they uh, released a blog post, which is kind of rare for Tesla these days, especially since they dissolved the PR department. Uh, probably more written by uh, I don't know legal department or whatever, <laughs> uh, in which they warn again more clearly, more specifically about the lawsuit coming. And uh, they characterize the lawsuit as being, well, the, I mean, the the headline of the blog post is the DFEH's misguided lawsuit. 
and uh, they uh, they warned about it that uh, they were gonna sue them over some systemic racial allegation, I should say, of systemic racial discrimination and harassment. And but they really downplayed the whole thing. They said that they said that the the DFEH has been investigating Tesla for three years, a bunch of different cases, most of them between 2015 and 2019, and that they never found Tesla to be at fault in any of those cases, and that the cases was mostly, was um, uh, um, actually, not mostly, they said that it was all related to, um, to, how do they phrase that to be exact? Alleged misconduct by production associate at Fremont factory. So they said it's like, and that's some, an argument that Tesla has used in previous lawsuits regarding racism. It's just production as black production associate, like between each other using the N word and things like that. Like that's, that's how they're framing it. And then they say that, oh, the DFHS, uh, uh, EH also didn't want to work with us on this. They were just right away, they wanted to go to a lawsuit, uh, which they think it was unfair. And uh, and that's it. Like they were like this. This is coming. Be careful. Like the basically putting the media like trying to frame the the situation as like this is an unfair lawsuit from a, a state government agency that uh, doesn't appreciate Tesla. Like part of the blog post was like we have thirty thousand employees in California and uh, we are the last remaining automaker in California. I'm like okay, okay. Uh, now this morning the actual lawsuit was filed and uh, we got. A copy of it. We posted a lecture. If you want to see. So this is a he said she said situation right now. That's the my uh, as problem with some of the allegation. But I mean, I read the whole thing, and if half of those allegations are true, this is a real problem. And Tesla completely downplayed the issue. It's way more serious than than they made it sound. It's not. I mean, a bunch of employees calling each other the N word is not great either, but it's way more problematic than that. Uh, it's it's actual discrimination in terms of uh, not um, promoting black employees. Uh, they they did a, a thorough research of like the rate of of uh, promotions and uh, how much black employees are at the production associate level versus uh, they call it uh, floor supervisor uh, lead supervisors and managers and so on and so forth. And there's a big discrepancy there. But then there was some of the example that was just awful of like uh, some white production associate with uh, Confederate flag tattoo that are visible on the employee floor, which I don't even know how that works in the first place. I think, <laughs> but like, if you, oh, you can be allowed to have <laughs> such or, uh, or sweat sickers too, like, like, like just wild, wild things that I, I've never witnessed in any. I mean, obviously, like you do, hey, Fred. You're a journalist. You work from home, or whatever. Like I, I've been on production floors before, uh, and whatnot, and I've never seen anything like it. And that those people are uh, implementing some racist behavior, but then they also have plenty of example in there of supervisors, even managers, either tolerating those behaviors or participating themselves in those behaviors. And then there's a uh, so so. Here's the thing: it's like. You, you cannot stop, like Tesla has 15,000 employees at Fremont Factory. It's basically a small town, like, or a big town, <laughs> like a city, a small city. Really. Yeah. You, you cannot police this perfectly. But there's things that you can do to make it a lot easier to catch those people, to reprimand those people, and to build an environment that is safer for minorities. And they, they showed in that lawsuit, at least the, the allegation of things that Tesla didn't do right and like not cleaning up like the bathrooms. There's been like a ton of complaints. They have, uh, by the way, they have 50 complainants in that in that lawsuit. So it's 50 former or I think some current to Tesla employees that are part of that lawsuit. It's not it's not just a handful of people. And they say that like they, they have the N word and a bunch of racist uh effigies and, and, and comments written in the, the restrooms at the factories. And then even though they complain, Tesla don't clean it up. So they have to see that every day. And uh, people refer to some of the section of the factories that are known to be more uh, like harder work um, that are mostly black people doing the work there. And uh, they, they refer to 
to it as like they, I don't even know what that means. Like porch monkey, like they said that this is the porch monkey area, and like it's, it's just awful stuff that I, I don't. I, I, I honestly, at first I was reading this, I'm like, all right, this there's no way this is real. Like this, there cannot be like a modern work environment, especially like Tesla in the in Bay Area, in the Bay Area, no yeah. less. And people look, but I know, I know California is a kind of weird place. People see it as super liberal and everything, but in between Los Angeles and, and, and San Francisco, there's a, there's a lot of, uh, more like red state. Not that I'm not saying that red, the Republicans are necessarily like more racist or anything like that, but there is definitely some, um, different cultures there in, in California <laughs> to say the least. I'm trying to be a little bit politically correct. Seth. I don't know if you can tell. But, we should stay out of politics, I believe. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, I, I, at first I couldn't like this is not real. But then you read the complaints. And I'm like, it looks like they have some serious uh, evidence of it, and like a lot of, of witnesses and whatnot. I'm like, this if this is real, like Tesla has a massive issues on their hand, and uh, and yeah, I mean, I would like to see Elon like take this seriously, and if you want like. All the nonsense he tweets on Twitter every now and again, like he, he would do good to actually like address this issue and uh, like and honestly take down that that post on their blog because that post like it's even even if the allegations are not right, like are, uh, most of them are not true, which is not the, exactly what they're saying. They more they downplayed what the lawsuit was going to be about because um, right. this is serious stuff. Like. Uh, if you have the heart for it, I encourage you to go read it. Uh, but uh, I- I'm telling you, it's uh, it's not fun to read. It's pretty crazy. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, the fact that this is the you know the the state coming at Tesla with this stuff. It's not like some you know random person that you don't know the credibility of. Uh, it's a little bit little bit shocking. Yeah. In the blog post, Tesla almost make it sound like this is California, like coming bad at us for like moving to Texas or whatever. I'm like, yeah, like even if half of those allegations are through, you have a real problem. This is has nothing to do with retaliation or anything like that. Like, if half of this is true, you have a problem to fix. Go fix it. I don't think Tesla is racist as a company. I don't think Elon Musk is racist. I have no evidence of it whatsoever, so why would I make that allegation? But if you're not, if this is happening and you're not addressing it in the most serious way possible, like I would address this as seriously, like as time that he plays on on engineering issues, go deep into your HR department and do a cleanup. If this is this is what's happening, the, put them the same intensity you put in engineering issue into this because. If this is not contained, this is not done, it's going to leak out into the rest of the and affect the culture. I mean, uh, what's the woman's name? Um, Valerie Workman, uh, the, the head of right. HR, was a, a black woman who's mm-hmm. been like uh, leading those allegations, like the the, 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 the the culture of respect for, for minorities at Tesla and especially for black people. And uh, she left recently. So just before this thing coming. Hmm. Is that does that have anything to do with it? Maybe maybe it does, maybe it doesn't, I don't know, but time I have a feeling it'll come up in court. Yeah. Anyway, we're gonna keep an eye on this. But uh yeah, that would that really uh, bummed me out this morning for sure. All right, uh the new roadster. Oh, said are we gonna get our roadsters or not? Not after reporting this on Tesla. You cannot, they're not going to give us a roadster for reporting on the lawsuit. Like this, the flying machine. It's <laughs> an argument that we get from, from Tesla fan. Like every time we report something negative on Tesla, you're not getting your roadster now, Fred. <laughs> what has to do with it? Uh, but yeah, uh, the rare, rare little update on the roadster program from uh, Franz von Ho- Let me get his name right. Franz von Hassen. Hol- Holzhausen, yeah. Holzhausen, friends. People, everyone to call him friends. Anyway, that's, just, that's just, good. Yeah, uh, friends. This list chief designer. He went on the um, the Spike Car Radio podcast, and he, he discussed some of the some uh, updates at Tesla. Uh, mostly his own design uh, experience and how he came to work at Tesla. It's, 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 if you're not familiar with friends' work, it's a good. Uh, 
a primer on his uh, on his work, uh, which I mean, the guy is now one of the most, in my opinion, one of the most influential design car designer in the industry right now. For and, sure. Um, and especially his work on the Model S. I mean, I think the, the Model S, I think, is still like a very uh, like up to date modern vehicle that still holds up on the, the design still holds up on the road, even though it's been around now for for literally ten years. Oh, it's going to be ten years in December, really. And you know, love it or hate it, the Cybertruck definitely. Uh, Hit a chord it, with some people. Yeah, yeah. People. I mean, and and it's like it, uh, it's almost like a, a a piece of art in a way that you know, re- modern art, of, yeah. mo- very modern art, <laughs> brutalist something. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, so uh, not a lot of it was new information. Like uh, uh, they talked a little bit about the yoke, but again, that was all the same point that Elon brought in before. Uh, Friends is also all over the yoke. But uh, the Roadster, he did so. So with the Roadster thing, like I, I used the meme that Michael did for us. <laughs> you know what uh, Elon said at the last uh, earnings call that uh, the focus uh, for product development this year was uh, Optimus Humanoid Robot and not the other vehicle programs that Tesla has been promising for years, including the Roadster, but also the Cybertruck and Tesla Semi and the twenty-five thousand dollar unnamed model. That uh, we're like, all right, what does that mean for the Roadster? Like the last time we heard is like it's coming in 2023, but now it's not so sure. So uh, Franz kind of a little bit contradicted Elon saying that uh, they are feverishly working on the Roadster, that it's still in the work. He had an interesting comment where he said that we're working on the Roadster. I wish we were working faster, but I also wanted to say, and this is the interesting comment, in the time we have been developing, developing it, we've also been learning a lot. Plaid is a great learning platform. All of those experience will make their way back into a much better roadster than we had uh, when we launched, right after we launched, uh, we debuted it. So, because uh, the roadster was supposed to be Tesla's first tri motor vehicle platform. Uh, but then the Plaid happened with the Model S, and the Model S came to market with the tri motor before the roadster. I mean, so. It's obvious. <clears throat> it's probably obvious that uh, Tesla said, "All right, we can make this much money with a Roadster and this much money with the Model S and X. Let's just make the Model S and X with the tri motor." And also, the Model S and X kind of needed a refresh. So, like right. at the same time, like let's update the powertrain, and the powertrain was ready for it. Uh, so, so yeah, that's probably what happened. But yeah, this is. I mean, is point still stand though with Tesla having now the Plaid for uh, over a year? Uh, well, it's going to be a year, but, but by, by the time the Roadster comes, if it comes, uh, it's it's going to be over a year in the market. Like they, They're going to have learned a lot from it, and they're going to have a better version of it for the Roadster. On top of having the SpaceX, he also mentioned the SpaceX package, saying that it's going to be an exciting flying machine. So they've been hinting at that. Like, like the vehicle will literally be able to fly or at least hover uh, for a while. So NHTSA's going to love that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're, they should ramp up their hiring right now just for that mm. unveil. Yeah. yeah, it looks like they're sticking with this idea that it's going to like, and now at this point, if that car doesn't fly, people will actually be disappointed. <laughs> like, if it comes out. They like, set expectations so high. Yes, yeah, very high, to say the least. It can literally fly. Uh, yeah, I mean, whatever. Like, Even if it doesn't fly, if it doesn't have this basic package with the cold air thruster, it's going to be an awesome vehicle, I think. Uh, I kind of I I feel like the Roadster, they should go the other way and like pare it down, like smaller battery pack, not crazy speed, but just like a lot of people want a two. There's no real two seat electric car out right now. They can make a, too, yeah. yeah, they can make a, you know, a Mazda Miata ish version of the Roadster. Mm-hmm. I think that would be pretty. I think that would actually sell yeah. quite a bit. I don't know oh, what the market is, but. Or even not, you don't even have to go as down market as Miata. I, I I wish there would be someone that does that, but I don't think Tesla is the one to do it. But uh, if they make like a, a lower, much lower power version, actually focus on efficiency, put a decent sized battery pack on it. One, not even that need to go dual motor on that because this is not like necessarily a car that people is going to use uh, like in, in on in the winter or anything like that. But make like an eighty thousand version of it, something like that, that people or not going to use for the performance necessarily, but that's a long range and looks amazing. And that's going to sell a lot too. Cause I don't think Tesla is the one to make like a, a $40,000 two door convertible. Right. 
Um, all right, we can put one thing to rest this week. Biden knows, or at least his teleprompter knows that Tesla exists, and he mentioned it too. So he had this um, this speech this week about U.S. manufacturing and announced a bunch of uh, factories that we reported on in the, the Tritium factory for chargers and a bunch of other new manufacturing effort in the U.S. And uh, he snuck in electric vehicles in there, uh, mentioned Ford and GM, of course, because they are the best, the best in making electric vehicles. But then he finally mentioned Tesla too, saying, and I quote, Since 2021, companies have announced investment totaling more than $200 billion in domestic manufacturer here in America. From iconic, iconic companies like GM and Ford building out new electric vehicle production to Tesla, our nation's largest electric vehicle manufacturer, Woo. Mm. to innovative younger companies like Rivian, even Rivian gets a little mention in there, building electric trucks, or Proterra building electric buses. Nice little mention for Proterra too. Yeah which I saw at a virtual tour last year when I met with the CEO virtually. And they really impressed me. So probably it's Portera gets the, the best mention in there. Really. Yeah. <laughs> good for them. Now, Portera is doing good things. Like they have, a, uh, they're doing electric buses, like you mentioned, but also like now they're becoming kind of a battery pack, uh, po- electric powertrain yep. uh, supplier for a lot of companies from, trucks to uh, also like uh, construction equipment and a bunch of things like that so you know this is uh, important but anyway you know the tesla fans and the elon fans and elon himself have been like hammering on biden the biden administration for weeks now saying that you need to mention it like and we did report on it like it, it was it was daunting not to mention tesla and those things because obviously tesla without tesla the u.s ev market is is nothing like it's already not that much <laughs> right i think he's four percent last year compared to uh europe it's like 16 and a bunch of other markets but still like without tesla it's nothing so yeah you have to mention also it's an american automaker that is having a world impact like no other uh so yeah it was ridiculous but but what i didn't like from the tesla side of it is like it's like is that really the most important thing right now like we know why they're not mentioning (laughs) elon Elon literally campaign against, well, I mean, campaign is a big word, but asked to drop the Build Back Better Act, which was of the big legislation for the Biden administration. And this is politics. Like, you do this, we're going to do that. Like, it's it's obvious. But at least now, I hope this puts it to rest. Uh, and also, it's not like the mention. I, I don't really care about the mention. What I would want is, like, make the new EV incentive fair for Tesla. <laughs> that would be better. Right. Uh, oh, the, the, did you see the new controversy this week too? Uh, Chatamo or our CCS combo or? Oh yeah, well we're gonna get into that. But before that, uh, GM apparently hired Biden's niece. Oh, this week. <laughs> okay, so maybe that was maybe she was the one told Biden about Mary Barra being. Uh. That's super revolutionary in the EV world. That's not going to go over well. Yep, it won't. It certainly won't. All right. Um, I'm going to mention this one real quick. It's not that big of a story, but it literally was our biggest story this week. Like half a million people read that post. So I guess I'm mentioning if if it's that popular, people really want to know about it. But uh, this will open a new, brand new supercharger station in California. Um, let me. Um, I wasn't familiar with the it's uh, Hokehurst, Hokehurst, California. So they opened this brand new station. Uh, how many stalls? Like uh, three, eight, eight stalls. Uh, supercharger station, and uh, so some local Tesla owners uh, finds out in the map system that hey it's it's open though it was saying temporarily closed so why would Tesla add a brand new station and say temporarily closed they show up there and what they find is that every one of those uh, cables have been cut clean off the stalls on the brand new supercharged station and those are v3 cables yeah those are brand new v3 cable with the liquid cooling and everything and um, you can see the pipe in there yeah so so some people saying it might be vandalism, but it looks like uh, like that clean of an operation real quick like that on a brand new station. I think it's more like thieves that uh, wanted all the copper in that because there's probably uh, maybe at least a few hundred bucks per cable, maybe as much as that that uh, they want to clean. 
So this is this might be an actual issue that uh, people, Tesla's go, Tesla and every uh, charging station operator is going to have to account when the uh, in terms of keeping because the, the the goal that when you have is when you operate a charging network you want to keep your online time as good as possible. You have to always be online everything like that. So you have to take account anything as far as vandalism and, and theft in that to keep that down so that your online time is up. And if this, and we know that California specifically has had a lot of problem with T, with uh, TEF lately because of changes in the laws and uh, also just the economy and whatnot. So, um, have you seen all the? Have you seen the the the, the train that they're getting attacked in, in in Los Angeles? Have you seen that? The train? Yeah, the, the, there's a big issue with the trains get like gangs of thieves just attack cargo trains and and just like steal everything on it really yeah that's like the wild. wild west yeah yeah you should check it out like the pictures are crazy where you you, you see like just open boxes of 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 uh, products like all over the train tracks because they just get in and just open everything up like wow. dozens of people at a time but i think there's a change in the laws where like it has to be like a certain amount that you still now to be actually uh, a criminal offense and not a misdemeanor so uh they, they up that up to like a thousand dollars or something so it I think like clearly encourage people to uh, um, to steal more, but uh, so things like that might be also play into account. I'm not I'm not so sure, but I've just heard uh, today that another station in Fresno just had the same issue again. So like this is actually something that uh, you have to have some security cameras, some actual like attendance. I don't know, but they're gonna have to do something to prevent that. Yeah, I mean the cameras could be something. They could also have uh, you know like alarms. I don't know if if that would work if you you know cut a cable there's an alarm. Mm-hmm. There was one um I can't remember a good if, sign that says live cable danger. Maybe right. these people cannot read though I don't know but <laughs> live danger. Uh that would prevent me from messing up with a cable like that. Yeah. I mean one theory we had is like maybe Tesla turned this on too soon before they got the uh approval. And the you know the local electric company came by and just turned them off. So to speak. <laughs> well, that's pretty harsh. <laughs> that should be pretty harsh. Yeah, because all of them were cut up like that. Like, right, it was like like clearly like, act off. Yeah, yeah, and the electric wow. company could just turn off the uh, you know power to the area. Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk about Nikola Motors this week. We had an exclusive story on it that. Uh, that destroyed my Twitter feed because there's a lot of Nikola bagholders out there that are not happy when you say anything bad about the company, which is hard to do. I had to really dig deep to find something bad about that company. Like I really set out to do that. No, what happened is like, this is something that I thought was interesting because of the transition that the company's in. Um, company Nikola, obviously like don't have to rehash it too much, but was in deep trouble for a while uh, because its its founder, um, Trevor Milton, lied a lot about the company and its 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 core technology and uh, its capabilities and where they were at. Uh, so what? What the hell? I just I just realized that I feel there's a ton of cash in the back of the truck on my picture. Is that is that cash? Did we do that? What? I think that's from an old, yes, that's probably from an old uh, thing, like the story. If you pulled that from our media library. Yeah, I did. I did. I, I did. I just saw the Nikola truck. I was like, I didn't see the cash in the back. Uh, I think but I might be Scooter doing something like that. I don't know. Um, yeah. So while all of that was happening and they got caught lying and Trevor got charged at criminal level and, and Nicola owes $125 million to ACC and all that. The company was, was pretty much a scam. I would, I would, I would say, and they started to transition into a legitimate company, which is, which is fair. I'm not saying like the company shouldn't exist because the, the CEO like implemented a bad culture of, of lying and, and overstating the capacity of the, technology and their prototypes and their orders and whatnot. Um, but that, that at the, in the midst of that transition with, with all the con- controversy, 
there was kind of a, what what got lost in like what the company was doing anymore. And what I saw personally, and you know, what of other analysts saw, is that the company transitioned since since there was so much lie about the core technology that they were developing in terms of the battery packs, the fuel cells. Uh, you know, you, if you remember, like. They, they were talking about having a breakthrough in battery technology, like a new battery and uh, the most advanced fuel cells and the capacity to produce the hydrogen at a very low price. And all of that was were lies. So they had to transition for that. And they transitioned to a very supply-based uh, approach where they partner with Bosch. Well, Bosch was already a partner before, but to, to a different degree than it is now. Now it's literally like they are buying the whole fuel cell technology from Bosch. Uh, they were going to do it with GM with the Hydrotech, but uh, I think GM got backed away a little bit from the deal with the Badger and everything that came out. That's uh, kind of giving them cold feet. But the uh, partner with Bosch, the partner with Hyvico, uh, uh, that big uh, trucking company to for the manufacturing of the trucks, uh, partner with Portera for the battery packs. So they, they, they moved away all the core technology to uh, partner to supply chain. So that's why I thought it was relevant when I learned earlier this week from multiple sources that the whole supply chain leadership basically has left over the last four months. Uh, one of them in October, uh, two of them in December, and one of them last month. Within four months, like the four highest level leaders in the company uh, just left. And uh, then they were replaced internally by two manager level people that were promoted to director. And then a complete freeze on hiring. Like no one else has been hired since, uh, though Nicola had a response to that. So I said that the situation looks dire. Uh, why I said that looks dire? Because like the supply chain is critical for what well, it's critical in every company, to be honest. But for them, even more so because the entire products is, is there's no vertical integration whatsoever. It's it's all other companies that's supplying uh, the technology. And it looks dire because they, they, they need things to work quick. Because if you look at the financials at uh, Nicola, they lose about $250 million a quarter. And as of last quarter, they had $500 million in the bank. So that's literally a run rate for two quarters. So they're going to have to turn things around very fast. Otherwise, they're going to run out of money. So yes, it is pretty dire. Uh, now, Nicola uh, sent us a um, very interesting statement about a report. Uh, first of all, there was some confusion. They claimed that, oh, I reached out to them like minutes before posting anything like that, which wasn't accurate at all. Um, so they said that the Nicola's supply chain department is intact and Nicola continues to hire. The supply chain department has been intentionally straightened with new and existing leadership. Nicola is focusing its effort on getting its first BEV and FCEV to market and continue to hire strategically for critical roles. We have nearly 1,000 employees, now including 220 that uh, within the last 20 days. Nicola, I encourage you to listen to the earnings call on February 24th to get an accurate overview of the company and its progress. Yes, because Nicola is a trustworthy company too that you must listen to. Uh, look, it's fair. You want to listen to their call, listen to their call. But I had some issue with that, with that, with that statement because intact, like how is it intact? You literally lost your whole leadership over the last four months. So that's intact is, is, is a lie. Uh, actually stricken with new and existing leadership. I talked to Nicola and when I asked them, point me to a single new hire supply chain department and they could not, they could not point me to a single new one. They said that they couldn't, they only reiterated that they promoted from within, which we, we already reported. So do what you want with that information. But what, what I was shocked with is like, you know, I had my issue with the Tesla shorts. I had my issue with the Tesla investors. After that report, the kind of hate that I got from the Tesla, the Nikola shareholders was to a brand new level I've ever seen. Some people signed me up to a BDSM website with my public work email like an hour after posting the article. Like, I mean, I cannot prove that it's someone that related to Nicola, but the timing of it was like kind of obvious. <laughs> I had a bunch of people and I have people like calling me at weird hours. Uh, I had a ton of, a ton of Twitter uh, people that like, that's not new, but both like accounts, like at least with the Tesla investors, it, it looks like it might be real people, even though like they always like if they're going to insult you online, they do it anonymously and whatnot, which is I think a coward way to do it. 
But with the, the Nikola folks, it was a bunch of like recently created account with like zero followers and a ton of them. They look like boats to me. Bots. Bots? Boats. Bots. Bots. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, and, and also the argument was, was, were kind of terrible. Um, all just repeating the, the Nikola statement as if it's a gospel, even though a company has an history of lying, but okay. Um, so anyway, I mean, I, I don't wish Nikola to fail. Like if they can actually turn themselves into a legitimate companies that deliver, especially the BEVs. I mean, I'm not completely against fuel cell vehicles at the truck level or the, like the semi truck levels, but I mean, if you look at the history of Nikola itself, they went from, they started out uh, talking about bringing to market natural gas trucks. Then they pivoted into fuel cell hydrogen trucks. Then they pivoted into fuel cells and battery trucks combined on top of pure battery electric vehicles. So if you don't see a clear transition towards battery electric vehicles here, uh, you're, you're, you're kind of fooling yourself like this. What happened is that during the, the 10 whatever years that Nikola has been around, the batteries have improved a lot and it started to make a lot more sense that battery electric vehicles are likely going to be a better solution long term than fuel cell hydrogens just because of like where the hydrogen is coming from right now. Not that you cannot make clean hydrogen, it's just that it's hard to make, it's expensive to make right now. And uh, to deploy the entire infrastructure network, which uh, is just a lot more difficult to do than it is with uh, battery electric vehicles, which there is an infrastructure program there too, but it's a lot easier to solve if you already have a giant electric utility, just giant industry out there. You just need to build a little bit on top of that. Well, not a little bit, a lot on top of that. But the hydrogen market, you have to, from the ground up, like from the supply level all the way to the distribution and in between, like good luck. Do you want to get into it, uh, Seth, or are you just... Uh, it's I not worth know. it. <laughs> not worth getting the... I don't know. Like, <laughs> Nikola is still worth $3 billion somehow. I don't... like. Yeah. I'll be honest. I don't understand it. They don't have any technology. Like, they have a, you know, a powerful... Uh, that GM board member guy that kind of mm. was pulling the strings. They've got some deals lined up, but I don't know. It just doesn't seem like they have anything that you know, like Freightliner is going to be able to like replicate in a heartbeat and, you know, a hundred times faster and better. So I don't know, like, you know, as a $3 billion company, like, you know, obviously I don't wish them to fail, but like, Mm -hmm. I don't know how they differentiate themselves. And they also carry the, around the baggage that their founder and like the person who named them and Mm -hmm. ran the company is kind of, it seems like a scam artist. So like mm-hmm. maybe it's best to shut it down and rename it or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I, I saw both sides of that argument. So people were like like they have they, they have nothing but their brand. Like they don't have any car technology. So the brand right. is everything. So like yeah, like that's all they have. And then I had the other argument where like, yeah, their brand is tarnished forever, so you should rebrand it, but then that's all they have. So right. <laughs> you start back to zero. Uh and obviously, I see zero. Like they have a thousand employees there. I'm sure a lot of them are very competent and they're doing great things and doing great work. So I don't want to discredit their work. I'm just saying, as a whole, right now, over the decade long existence of the company, they have not much to show for uh, to counter all the bad. <laughs> yeah. Because right now, you have to take into account there's a few people that took a lot of money out of that company to right. for malicious what looks like malicious reasons right in my opinion and then allegedly and then you whatever. know Don't gm me. bought into nicola as well which yeah. is like like i don't know how like mari barra is a survivor like uh, like with all the things that have happened uh on her watch like you know she was basically gifted the bolt uh she started the bolt program that had already begun she got mm-hmm. the bolt and then and, and you know, it's not just her. There's plenty of other people. It's not a sexist thing or whatever. It's just amazing to me that with what GM had and where they are now, it's just like, wow, I, I, I can't imagine somebody who's made so many bad decisions still in power. It's crazy. Well, 
somehow like that's the perspective for someone following the industry closely but from the perspective of uh, the president of the United States, she is responsible for the entire ratification right. of the industry. So like it's perspective things. <laughs> right. Are you, or uh, is your opinion more important than the president of the United States? <laughs> I would argue that when it comes to electric cars, it certainly is, but I don't know. Not. I, don't, I don't, I mean, it just, to me, it's like, I, I look at it and I, I just don't understand it. Those are the things that, Baffled. you know, I'm the curious most curious about is like what I can't understand. And, you know, if I'm a GM board member and, or like a stockholder and I'm not, I would be like, what the heck? We had the Chevy bolt in, you know, 2017, 2016. And we are further back now than we were then. And, uh, you know, like what happened? Like what happened behind the scenes was, you know, the product development so bad was, you know, something defunded. Um, and, you know, theoretically they're going to get back, you know, the, the Cadillac lyrics coming out soon. The, uh, um, you know, obviously they're going to start making more Hummers. There's more Hummers in the back of the uh, Biden thing than that were sold last year. Um, so I don't know, like to me, it's just, it just like w- uh, such a massive failure. Like we are, we're all, on the same page that EVs are the future. And basically since 2016, 2017, which is like five years, GM has done nothing. So I don't know. Yeah. I'm, and I'm and a, when I say nothing, I'm not talking about press releases and future, yeah, you know, whatever. Yeah. Bold I'm talking EV, about which is basically cars car. on the ground yeah. with tires that go, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, and, and what what also bothers me is like you, you could sit down with Marie Vera and ask her that, like why what what took so long what took so long and and you wouldn't get a real answer you get right. you get a political answer like well you see actually the consumer market wasn't really ready and uh, we were working in the background to to with the Ultium battery system to deliver that because we think it's a bigger product than the five years it, it shouldn't right. it take you five years to bring a new car to market and just uh, to be a, a second electric vehicle to market yeah anyway and then. Also, she backed the Trump administration, so that yes. should tell you enough right there. Yeah, yeah. You, you you see what happened in those five years is the Trump administration and the political system, the political landscape change, and they didn't see the need to do it. It's sad. All right, uh, we have one more news item to discuss, and then we're gonna jump into the comments section. So, if you guys have any questions for us, you can put them in the comments right now. If you can put the question in all cap first, or the whole thing in all cap, so that we can and then identify them better in the. Uh, um, in the comment section, do it right now. Uh, either a question or a subject you want us to discuss. We're going to do it just in a few minutes after discussing the Biden administration's new $5 billion plan for a nationwide EV charging network over the next five years. Uh, so I didn't get into it too much. I'm going to learn about it at the same time as you. But what I hear is like it's a plan to every make sure that every 50 miles on major highways, you have a charging station in the U.S., Yep. And uh, some interesting things about it. Um, it's focused on um, CCS combo. So Chatamo that doesn't count. Uh, Tesla chargers doesn't count. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what Tesla does. Are they going to build DC mm-hmm. or sorry, uh, CCS combo? Or are they going to build more Tesla chargers and make adapters? Or what are they going to do? Um so that that that's kind of interesting. But they um, kind of already announced anyway who's going to get the build those charger, right? Cuz they said Siemens going to produce a million EV chargers uh as part of the plan. Like they already partnered with Siemens with ABB. Mm-hmm. And uh a company I don't know, Zunamis Clean Energy Partners, a black and woman owned EV charging manufacturer based in Detroit. Okay, that's for level 2 EV chargers, okay. Right. Because I think the plan was uh, was more focused on the highway. Well, you mentioned 3TM, but that's yeah, that was part of the announcement too. That 3TM is coming to the U.S. and they are going to build a big manufacturing facility in, in Tennessee uh, to uh, to produce a lot of charging station. I mean, this is gonna, this is a big business. Uh, charging industry is going to become a big business, and the government wants to accelerate it. Uh, that's that's good news. Yeah, and that's the key word. I think accelerate it. Like mm-hmm. the government isn't buying or running. The mm-hmm. charging infrastructure, thank God, because you know, like uh, New York's got this uh, program where they have 
Uh, they're rolling out chargers called Evolve. And it, I don't want to say it's a, a, a blank show, but it like it's not reliable. Um, you know, I think when MKBHD drove around uh, in his test, he tried a couple of those stations and they didn't work. And it's really frustrating because, you know, like they shouldn't, this, this part of the government shouldn't be running charging stations. What they should do is incentivize, mm-hmm. you know, Electrify America, EVgo, uh, Shell, like all the other ones. By the way, on the Kia EV6 drive, I saw my first Shell D, uh, DC fast charger. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, incentivize them, make, you know, take away taxes for 10 years or do do what government, you know, whatever government incentives yeah, they do. But like they should not be running the the, the charging stations. So anyway, uh, it's definitely good. Um, you know, people have brought up like, well, 50, you know, a few chargers every 50 miles isn't going to help. Like that's not enough to if the whole world's changing to EVs. But that's just a start. Like theoretically, more will come online as demand creeps mm-hmm. up. So, yeah, the the requirement was also like four stalls per station, which I think is also on the lower side. Like, I think that's one of the reasons Tesla has been so successful. Is like the they yeah. they don't worry about the use rate being too low for something like that. And they're like, all right, worry for like when people really need the station, how many charger you need, and. Um, of course, that as a business model, if you're just an operator of charging stations, it's not a great business model because you you have a lot of big capital investment for a little use rate. But long term, you, you have you have to have that. Yeah, and you know what? I have to say, you know, Tesla has made a lot of really good decisions early on, like building the battery factory. Obviously, huge decision that you know now Ford and GM and everybody else are doing, mm. um, and the early supercharger rollout was a, a really good decision and it's still paying off. Like if you're deciding between a Mustang Mach-E and a, a Model Y, one of the biggest decisions is like, are you going to be able to go on a road trip? And, you know, we love them at Electrify America, but they're not the most reliable things. And EV goes not, a, you mm-hmm. know, they, they score worse on bug share. So, mm-hmm. you know, you, you can get stranded with, with the, the way charging systems are. And, uh, you know, Tesla's are world's better. So I don't know. It's, uh, it, you know, you talk to the CEOs of these companies, like, you know, we got a chance to talk to mm-hmm. uh, Ford, Ford CEO, uh, Jim Farley. And you're like, are you building chargers? Like, what are you doing about charging? And he's like, yeah, you know, electrify America or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, you gotta, you gotta do it. Like it's, it's your responsibility. Like, yeah. so it's such a big part of the ownership experience. So to give that up. Yeah. I, I think it's a problem that's going to fix itself. Eventually over time for sure. Like it's not, it's not a make or break issue is because of, but because of like Tesla setting up the standard with it, I think that that helps. Like you see, like it can work. Uh, not that Tesla doesn't have an issue with the supercharger network uh, beyond just getting their <laughs> charging cable getting cut off. But it's going to fix itself over time. It's just that you're taking a risk if you're offloading the whole experience to a third party, like creating more friction for your customers. You might lose some along the way. Like just that's just the truth. Uh, which we can get into the question. I think the first one was actually was actually about that. Uh, what would make people prefer Ford or GM over Tesla, in your opinion, uh, by Mister Necromancer? Oh, maybe a. Uh, a fan of Raised by Wolves. I don't know. Um, I hope so, because otherwise that would be <laughs> scarier. Uh, it, uh, it's, um, yeah, that, that would be the main reason, like Seth said, that would be the, that would be the supercharging network. That would be uh, your charging experience. Because, uh, but, but he's asking what would make people choose Ford or GM over Tesla. Oh, well, okay, yeah. Yeah, specifically. So, I mean, mm. you know, when I'm thinking about these things, I would say fit and finish on a Ford is going to be better than a Tesla. Just generally speaking, maybe not for all things, um, CarPlay, Android auto inside, maybe you like buttons and not screen stuff. You know, if you want the windshield wipers to turn on, you don't want to have to do stuff. Um, you know, comfort inside. I think, uh, Seats are a little bit more comfortable, and and the Mustang Mach. This is just an example. Um, Ford and you know 
GM, I guess, when the Lear comes out and the and the uh, you know, you talk about the Chevy Bolt, it's a much smaller car. Like if you want a car form factor like the Bolt, so there's a lot of things that still like you know Tesla has one basic car, the Model Three slash Y. So you want a bigger car, you want a smaller car, you want all these these other things. Maybe Ford GM make more sense. Yeah, and especially uh, if we, uh, like I think it doesn't even matter right now. Like if if you choose a, between a Mac E and a Model Y, it's like it's, just, it's not a big difference for US EV adoption. It's going to be the pickup trucks are going to make it the bigger difference right now. Uh, which I mean, those three automakers, Ford, GM, and Tesla, all plan energy pickup trucks in the near future. Uh, I think the reasons are obvious. Like I think it's going to be. For electric pickup trucks, transition, if you're already a pickup truck owner, I think it's going to be an easier transition to go to a Ford and GM to the Cybertruck. Yeah. <laughs> to say the least. So that's something they can count, but that's kind of superficial a little bit. Yeah. Because I think the capabilities on all those trucks should be pretty similar. Tesla should have a better software experience on them. Um. Like you said, fit and, fit and finish on the others might be better, but then the cyber truck, the fit and finish of cyber truck should be pretty good because it's an exoskeleton. So, right. <laughs> like, there's the you don't have to line in the panels, like, the panels are the body of the car. So, yeah, I that's gonna be fun, man. I can't wait for the pickup trucks to come and to, to, to see some actual numbers in the US for EV adoption. That's gonna be an exciting. By the way, has your Rivian uh order been updated at all? I haven't checked in a while. I haven't got any emails about it, but uh, hmm. no, I haven't. I haven't checked in a, in a little while. But at this point, I mean, <laughs> probably could get a Ford and one fifty five star. I think I just yeah. Ford seems to be hinting that uh, they're willing to uh, move you around in line if you're willing to do Pay more. <laughs> well, yeah, the dealers are. Yeah, I mean, I have twelve hundred dollars in deposit for for a pickup truck order right now, so. Uh, I'm not. I'm not willing to put more than that in the deposit itself. I'm not willing to pay for the truck. Obviously. So wait, you have a hundred dollars for Cybertruck. Two hundred dollars for Cybertruck. Oh, you have two Cybertrucks. Yeah, because yeah, at the time, well, the, I, I probably should get reimbursed for one of those. Because at, at the time, I put one because I wasn't sure like which one's gonna come first and everything. So I put one for the tri motor, one for the dual motor, which made sense at the time. Now we don't know what is gonna be what with the Cybertruck. So yeah, there's probably not even gonna be a single yeah. motor one. So again, the, the reserving a Tesla ahead of time is not really worth it these days. Right. And speaking of not being worth it, uh, my Rivian R1S is now scheduled for 2023, which is yeah. a bummer because I was really hoping to get it this summer. When yeah. when I when I made the reservation, the people Rivian uh, employees were like, "Yeah, summer next year if you order mm-hmm. like right now," and uh, that didn't happen. So that's yeah. a bummer. We um I think you know, a week or two, a week or two is going to be the Rivian earnings calls, and uh, I think we can expect like a production update on that, like uh, how production is going. But like I said, uh, we we're expecting that it's going to be a rough production ramp. Yeah, a few tough quarters for Rivian before things start to ramp up. Yeah, but yeah, that's pretty much it for for the episode this week. Uh, thanks everyone for watching. If you're watching right now, please give us a quick thumbs up. It's free to do and it helps the show a lot. If you're listening on your podcast app, you can give us a five star review if you do enjoy the show. Only if you do, obviously, uh, that helps the show tremendously too. Brings it to more people on the uh, podcast ranking. So uh, if you can do that and leave us a quick review, we read them all. We appreciate them too. Um, and that's pretty much it. We're gonna see you at same time, same place next week. Have a safe week and have uh, have fun. Bye bye.